If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Here we go again. Great to be with you. I'm Jeff. That's Tom, producer of the program. Director Matthew, directing the program. We are uh, obviously rolling on now. It's starting to feel comfortable, starting to feel good as uh, I came over from practice this morning, got to CFSU. We'll have sound for you. I'll give you my thoughts on that. But also, there's news of the day as we edge ever closer, believe it or not. Uh, obviously, we've got not one, but two preseason games tomorrow, I know. And um, hey, listen, the thing about preseason, as we all know, is that it's um, it's not very entertaining. Let's be honest with us. Uh, it, it, with you, it's It's not a lot of fun because typically speaking, uh, you get excited, you get jacked up because you see the uniforms and you sit down and you go, look at that, look at that, that's the, the Cowboys and the Steelers or whomever. And then the play begins and you're like, that's a third string quarterback and that's coaches not taking this very seriously because they don't want to get guys hurt. That's all of that. Uh, I understand. But it is still good because it is still men in uniforms we know and recognize and love plowing into one another. Seeking to do damage, which we can all celebrate and uh, and enjoy, and so uh, and also for those that are perhaps sporting guys or gals, you know, I learned two years ago, Tom, that uh, you have to get past the shame, you have to get past the stigma attached to uh, gambling on preseason games, and really jump right in. Yeah, I believe the phrase is Harbaugh cares deeply, right? It's Harbaugh cares deeply. Are you going to play Baltimore this year? Because if the folks who followed mm-hmm. us from 97.9 ESPN Radio to now the home, the home of the Jeff Cameron Show, WVFT right here, Real Talk 93.3, learned anything about preseason football and how to wager it, it's that Harbaugh cares deeply. Harbaugh Cares Deeply is something that I want our 93.3 listeners to learn about, and I know that our Warchant.com, Warchant TV listeners, will many of them already know, but others will now learn. It's a number that is staggering, and it is something like uh, his record in the last 17, 18 preseason games is undefeated. Against the spread, yeah. Against yeah. the number. Against the number is all you really care about uh, in a preseason game. One thing to note, though it is weird, there is real football to talk about amidst all this gambling talk, which is... 
you know, there's there's a there's one extra regular season game now and one fewer preseason game. And so you know the deal in preseason every year, coaches, uh, that third preseason game out of the four was the one where you got a good glimpse of the starters and who was what. And they tried for a half. They they wanted you know they wanted some semblance of normalcy for what it was going to look like in week one. But you got two things working against you now, trying to reveal or learn something about your favorite team or perhaps your fantasy football team or whatever it might be where position battles are concerned. Here's your problem: it's it's now one fewer game and an extra week before the season starts. So you got two weeks after the second preseason game, which is are they going to take the second preseason game to be the third preseason game of yesteryear? And then wait two more weeks. It might be three weeks before you have any idea what's what. That is weird. That is strange. Like trying to get a gauge on that is interesting. Yes, that is confusing. I, I don't know how it's going to go. And that's right. I, I knew the seventeen game season, right? Like I've memorized that part of it. But there is something that comes at at the expense of, which is the preseason. I don't think anybody minds that, especially season ticket holders across the league, where they were paying full price for seats for game four of the preseason when you saw none of the starters, yeah. not one single starter. But, yeah, we've got to reassess how we view the preseason. I guess maybe you're right. Week two is the big dress rehearsal. I don't know. Good question. Just that's why I'm here, guys. I'm here to satiate your gambling needs and give you some heads up where you might not have otherwise been thinking about what was going on. I do know that uh, in addition to that, we we have news from the football field. I was there uh, this morning to watch practice. You know, listen, at the end of the day, we're still not – Florida State's not, not many schools are just yet, in full pads. Now, they were wearing shoulder pads today, and they are out there hitting today. So I saw a glimpse of who's going to be making a difference when the big boy pads come on, and we see guys lighting other guys up. All of a sudden, it's not so carefree across the middle. All of a sudden, there's a little more hesitance to lay out uh, on any of those crossing routes. They do wrap up and thud you. A little bit. Uh, or James writes, can't wait for Redemption Thursday. Did we miss the first five minutes of the show? Let's explain to everybody again. It's all new for all of us here on the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchant TV. This week, it's different. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate you. On the chat on Warchant TV, I can see you guys. I can answer some questions when I have the ability to do so. Um, listen, it, it, we, we figured out a workaround, everybody. I was complaining uh, yesterday, or excuse me, Tuesday, uh, Monday. Get it together. All day, though. <laughs> I was complaining on Monday that the the famed, and it is famous, bumper music of the Jeff Cameron show was going to be severely limited. We were going to have to go with commercial nonsense. We were going to have to go with uh, just garbage done in a studio to made made to sound like something else. Anyhow, the point of that was because of YouTube's lawyers, and those those bastards will hold you down. But we found a workaround, and so if you're local, you're going to get some bumper. You're going to get some old-school JCS bumper, and that bumper music is on Spotify. I put a list out a couple years back for people. You can find it. What is it called? Yeah, Jeff Cameron Show Bumper. Yeah. Just search that in Spotify, and you'll find a list that could take you from here to, I don't know, Santa Monica on a drive. Uh, So, yeah, that's true. Uh, the bottom line is, you did not miss the first five minutes. We are bringing bumper back in some cases. Um, it is it is a little bit um, drier than it was in the past because we don't have carte blanche to do with the time that we, we had at the other station. Uh, I can explain it very succinctly for the folks at, at YouTube TV. And we, we, we remember, 
hit the like button, hit subscribe. That's the thing that we got to get out of the way first and foremost. Because more Knowles can find us on YouTube, the more... We had somebody comment yesterday on Seminole Headlines. It's the first time I've ever seen the show because all I do is watch Knowles coverage on YouTube. Let's help people like that. Hit that like button, subscribe button, so more Knowles can get the message. Uh, but we've got news here because this is a, a mixed station. There's all kinds of talk here. We got news until three after we the news, hour. We got sports. We have entertainment. We have it's a it's it's just a uh, panoply. Is that the word? Panoply. panoply? That's right. What did yeah. I say? Panoply. Good lord. Hey, see how often I use the word panoply. So we go to three after with the news, four after with a commercial break, and then the who plays until about mm, I don't know six after the hour. So you didn't miss a thing. Just the open and just the who. And if you're in Tallahassee driving around, listen on 93.3, and you'll get the Who and the other bumper music. But that's why it doesn't start right promptly at 1 o'clock. Make sense? Yeah, soon, um, in addition to all of this, you'll get to know the fixed position features and everything else. But this is a week where we're all getting used to everything, and so bear with us. You know what happened? Tom, a soundbite that we know and love, one that we have uh, embraced, celebrated for many a year, it came out yesterday. What happened? What happened? Play it for the fine folks. The coaches poll. Oh, the coaches poll. The coaches poll. Ah, <laughs> uh, the coaches poll is out. The coaches poll. We love polls. Let that linger. The coaches poll. And the reason we do is everybody's in love with rankings, always have been. You know how that works. Any sort of top 10 anything, top 25 anything could be movies, could be fast food restaurants, could be games, could be shows, could be you name it. You can't help. They dangle that out there. They trick you, and you jump on it. They get me every time, even when it's the off season, and I know it's nonsense. You know, top Weight, weight room facilities per universe. Oh, there's a top ten list. Let me... It's like a mock draft. Yeah, you, you have to you click have on to it. Click this on it. This is stupid. I want to see who we're picking. Yep, and then I do it. And the coaches poll came the coaches out. Coaches poll. Hey now. And in doing so, I went, "Ooh, the coaches poll," and quickly clicked on it. And here we go. And this is part of the problem with college football. It has been a growing problem. In college football for you. I know you saw what I did there. It has been a, thank you, Eric. It has been a growing problem for college football over the last 10 years, in particular the last five, where there's a sense that the first five teams on this list are the only five teams that have a chance in all of college football to perhaps win a championship. And so when you exclude a large swath, in this case, the rest of the nation, from having an opportunity to dream big, that's not good. That's not good for the growth of your sport. But here we go, and no surprise, these are the four amongst the coaches' poll as we get set for college football and soon. Alabama number one, well, stunning. Clemson number two, Oklahoma number three, Ohio State number four. You can quibble with OU and Ohio State if you like, and you're not going to be shocked to find out at number five, it's Georgia. So, in essence, uh, the recruiting rankings and the teams that have dominated the sport for the last seven, eight years or more are right there amongst the top. Yeah, I think if you, any given year, the last three or four, maybe even getting six or seven years, if you wanted to name the top five blind, those five candidates are the teams that are going to be there. If not, they're in the top seven or eight every single season. It's just a matter of who gets number one in the preseason coaches poll. The coaches poll. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. That's it. 
I'm going to give you the rest of the coaches' poll. The coaches' poll. Momentarily. First, however, I want to answer Eric's question because right off the top, he came in strong on the chat. There you go, baby. What's up, Jeff and Tom? Full day in pads. How did it go? Go Knowles. Nine and a half point underdogs, I believe, to Notre Dame is uh, (laughs) a sod game. Can't be a sod game. We're at at home. Uh, I mean, you know. It, it is a side. We're playing on it. Yeah, yeah But we're not yeah, going to be yeah, cutting yeah. away from it if Our we score side, the upset. Yeah. You know. Hey, yeah. so let, let me do this really quickly. Uh, I get why we're underdogs, and we will be frequently this season. Uh, I do think there's reason for hope. And they weren't in full pads today, something close to it, shoulder pads. Uh, but they weren't. It was not a scrimmage. But they are, they are out there hitting. Uh, I'm going to tell you, it is a mixed bag. I am not so negative as to come in here and tell you every single day, here's the deal, we're not competitive, don't get your hopes up, don't dream. It just depends on how, I think, balanced you are. I mean, if you are year in and year out, no matter the evidence that has mounted over the previous season, no matter what you saw last year, the year before, the year preceding it, if you always want to believe that the team is going to, take a huge step forward, and they're going to win 10 games the way that most of us believe Florida State's birthright because Bobby Bowden is to be, then then I can't I can't help you because that's not going to happen. But I also don't want to tell you don't do that because there's there's a charm to that. It's when, when I was young, when I was a kid, when I was really falling in love with the sport, nobody could tell me nothing about my favorite team because when I was 12, I was here to tell you my team was going to beat your team no matter the evidence. That my team was going to win because I really wanted them to win. But you get a little bit older, you go through many a heartbreak, you have uh, the wide rights and everything else happen. Moreover, uh, you, you you become, or you get a good handle on reality, and you become far more pragmatic. It helps you. It behooves you to go into a season with realistic expectations. That way, you're not devastated. That way. Uh, you're not you're not going in thinking one thing, and then stark reality hits hard, and you think, "Well, my God, this is disappointing." No, you, you, it's it's easier when you just have a, a realistic view. So there are things emerging today's practice, and you're going to hear from Mike Norvell right here. We're going to play that clip for you in just a moment because um, it's pretty succinct, and I'll respond to it. He's starting to see some things that he likes, and I agree with him. Go ahead and play the clip, and then I'll, I'll follow up on that before we go to break and tell you, uh, kind of tease there a little bit, what I, what I am excited about. Uh, today was a good day. It was good to see everybody together, you know, really trying to uh, uh, push the tempo of practice. You know, a lot more team situations um, with, you know, that, it kind of all goes to the, to the process of what we're trying to build. You know, big fundamental work the last three days today, get more of it, you know, putting together, uh, added some situations, third down situations. Uh, uh, you know, it was, it was a dominant third down performance from the defense, so there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of guys flying around, but, um, you know, it's great, great film to get to continue to improve offensively. Um, you know, I, I like what I'm seeing. And I like the competitive spirit. We saw some explosive plays, uh, you know, there offensively uh, today in the run game and in the passing game. Um, it's coming along, and four days into it, but you know, I think the the, the work that's being put in, uh, you know, we just continue to have to have the consistency, play in and play out, pushing the tempo of how we operate. Uh, but you know, I thought there were some some good things that showed up today. 
Okay, the beginning part of that quote is code for the defensive line blew up the offensive line. We couldn't get a lot going in third down situations. That's normal, and that's everywhere. Don't fret. Defenses always ahead of offenses early in camp. That's the way it should be. In fact, if your offense comes out and dominates the defense early, get nervous. Unless there's a track record of kicking butt and you have one of the most prolific offenses in the country, say maybe Lincoln Riley's offense at Oklahoma or something like that annually, you ought to be concerned if your offense hits the ground running like that. Defense should be ahead of offense. It is right now, without question. That also marks a return to normalcy because last year that was not the case across college football. Unless you're a Boston College fan or something, um, offenses ruled the day. And that was something that yeah. we just couldn't wrap our minds around. Overtotals, uh, sloppy defensive play, uh, wide open LSU's receivers. Defense. Look at LSU's defense last year. I mean, what a travesty. Obviously, ours was a sieve, but we weren't any good to begin with. LSU was coming off a championship. Even Alabama was slow to get started. They figured it out later in the season, but it's mighty Alabama. It was a trend in the sport. But this year, as you can see, the continuity of the offseason training program, the PRPs, yeah, defense is ahead of offense. That shouldn't be a surprise because it's been the case since the beginning of time except for the COVID year. Yeah, one note, we, we talk about Alabama came around. They gave up like 4 million points to Florida. I mean, they couldn't stop. I mean, they listen, they won the game, but... That was a weird season. That was a good offense. Mullen should have cashed in with more. It's terribly unfortunate. He can't just, you know, break <laughs> but, through. But they couldn't get stops. They, too, could not get stops. I'm telling you, all throughout football last year, there were exceptions. But very few, though. You think about that tight end that plays now for the Atlanta Falcons yeah. and mm-hmm. Tony and Trask. Oh, they right? had talent. Yeah, it's just, it's terrible. Well, they couldn't get stops. That's, yeah. They had to throw a shoe against LSU, too. It's a terrible loss it's for Dan. Beautiful day. Unbelievable. Uh, rounding out the top ten of the coaches poll. Hey, now, Texas A&M at six. Okay, Jimbo, a little bit of pressure moving on from Kellen Mond. Notre Dame at seven. No chance, no how. First one I circle and say BS. I'm calling BS on Notre Dame at seven. No way that team finishes anywhere near seven by season's end. The coaches poll. Uh, side note here with Campbell at Iowa State. People want to just bow at the feet of him at Iowa State. Can you win an important game? Ever. That's eight. I mean, uh, nine, North Carolina, ten, Cincinnati. I'll come back round out the coaches' poll. <laughs> it's so fun to say. Oh, uh, we're childlike. It's the summer of more life at Orange Theory Fitness. That's August through September 30th. You've got a lot of time. First class is always free. So if you want to learn what it's about, go in. They'll give you a free workout. It's intimidating when you walk by and you look through the glass and you see everybody doing their thing in there, but... I'm here to tell you, as somebody who goes minimum four days a week, once you start, you can't wait to get back in there because the coaches and those that are participating are there to cheer you on and help you out and and get you through whatever it is your fitness goal is. If you refer a friend or upgrade in August and September, receive a discounted membership prices for the next three months. Also, uh, if you froze your membership because you were a little worried in the past about what the nation was going through with COVID and you're feeling better, uh, maybe you're vaccinated, ready to go. All you got to do is sign back up and uh, unfreeze that, and you'll get a discounted membership for the next three months as well. A uh, lot of savings right now. It's a good time to try it if you have it. That's Orange Theory Fitness. It's the summer of life, summer of more life promotion. You can learn more at orangetheoryfitness.com. The Jeff Cameron Show brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness. Two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Sherlock, I love you, but 
that win was undone. Of course, they had the blowout loss at Iowa State to Louisiana Lafayette prior, and then they had uh, losses to Oklahoma State a couple weeks later, 24-21. And if I'm not mistaken, there's another weird loss in there from them. Um, I want to say. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll have to go back and look at that. Uh, but I, I think sustaining the success is really, I guess, a better way of me saying that. And also... Try to beat Iowa every now and again. That would probably be something else to to, to win at some point. You got to win the Cyhawk Trophy. <laughs> Is that a fan at in Ames? I saw they talk at Ames. Either that, I've or always been about the Cyhawk. Or it's us in the the elevator with Gene, and that game's yes. going on, and he's yeah. getting ready to call. What's going on with Iowa and Iowa State? I uh. Ran Who's into, winning the Cyhawk Trophy? Ran into Gene at the Moore Athletic Center last week. He's looking great. I know his heart is heavy with the passing of Bobby Bowden, but uh, I mean, I you know, Gene's got stories for days of uh, the private moments. Those are the, those are the great things to to talk with Gene about. Obviously, he got to see Coach Bowden, the man, more than most, more than most, and you know, Coach Bowden made room and time for him. When Gene would have to, you know, they fly back from a game on the road and he have to record his interview with Coach Bowden, the post game, and and sometimes they would go back and do that at his house, like in the middle of the night, because he knew Gene had to get down to Tampa for the Bucks game the next day. That's pretty cool, and and also just the the times that they've traveled and all of those times that you know you go along on booster fundraisers and and you have an, I mean those conversations. Had to have been as in depth as anybody else. Oh, I Charlie would, Barnes might be the only other guy. I would think of all the media personalities in in Florida State media history that got to know Bobby Bowden. Right, it would be the most intimate relationship of all, Bobby and, and Gene Deckerhoff. Yeah. It's got to be. Like, there, there's not even a silver medal. No, it's you're exactly right. Uh, I mentioned before we went to break: Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Iowa State, North Carolina, Cincinnati. Carolina's interesting. They've got talent there. They've done a good job of recruiting. Mac Brown's doing a great job at North Carolina. I think they're the team to beat out of the Coastal. They're better than Miami. I think they'll win that division. You know, if you're looking, you got to lay 700 to win 100 if you're taking Clemson to win the ACC. It's that kind of an overwhelming favorite that they are. But if you were going to go outside of that, you could take 15 to 1 odds on North Carolina. And if you're going to bet that, by the way, and this is more football talk than gambling talk. I'm just sprinkling the two together. Sometimes they're married. Most of the time they are. North Carolina and Sam Howell have a quote-unquote Heisman candidate. If he has the kind of year he's looking to have before going to the NFL and lights it up and they win the Coastal, you're really betting, you're taking the long odds for the big payoff on one game. I mean, if they win the Coastal, they got to beat Clemson in the ACC championship game one night, one off. Anything can happen if you have a great quarterback. Who knows? You know, maybe you get that win, and boy, that's a payoff. I am leery of that club this year, that program, because they needed those two running backs, Michael Carter and uh, Javante Williams, to be what they were. I think Howell's a fine player, but I don't know that he is this ACC preseason player of the year type that everybody made him out to be, especially when I was up in Charlotte. He was one of the most talked about players. I don't know, man. I mean, we'll see if he can do it mostly by himself. They had a special collection of NFL-type skill position players last year that they lost it'll be interesting to see if they can replicate that on offense and it helps that Howell is now a junior third year in the program understands the offense but that running game was fearsome last year and that was the indictment on Mac Brown why wasn't that the game plan 
against that sorry defensive line of ours last year. Why wasn't that your game plan? I never understood that. Well, they're victimized early. Uh, you have the interception, the pick six. You have uh, the, the, the momentum built from a good start for Florida State. And the next thing you know, they're fighting uphill. And they come all the way back. And by rights, they probably should have won the game. The kid dropped two passes in a row. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. That was a toughie. We're not going to get a stop there. I mean, if he doesn't drop the ball and they convert, we're not getting a stop. We've seen that song and dance how many times over the last five years? Since yeah. third and Kelly against Miami. Yeah. Like, that script has been played out a bunch. Yeah, we're That's not... why Sean McDonough was incredulous. Drops the ball! <laughs> Cincinnati rounds out the top ten. They're going to be everybody's non-Power 5 favorite. Everybody will celebrate them. Uh, Well-coached team, although the bowl game was nonsense against Georgia where they were scared uh, to, to, to play their game and try to hold on for dear life, and it upset them. Uh, <clears throat> that said, I say upset them, they, they blew the chance at the upset. Uh, Florida at 11, Oregon, LSU, uh, Southern Cal, Wisconsin, Miami, Indiana. Indiana had a great year. I don't know what to say about that. It's hard to get a sense of just how good or bad they are in a COVID year. Uh, they they, they got to win over Penn State they shouldn't have had. Uh, it, was a, it really kind of sent Penn State reeling. It was a weird season. That lunging photo is is an all timer. They remind me of like the Arkansas of the Big Ten. Like you pull like that's a program that rallies around its coach, just like Arkansas rallies around Pittman. Pittman's my guy. Exactly. See, I, I think that's what they are. It's just different conferences, but unfortunately, commensurate payouts. Iowa, years. Texas, Penn State, Washington, Oklahoma State, Louisiana, Lafayette, ooh la la, Raging Cajuns, Coastal Carolina, and Ole Miss rounding out your top twenty five. Uh, if if you're looking for a you know. Who got snubbed? Are you shocked by this or that? Well, people have woken up to the fact that Michigan hasn't been any good in forever, and they're outside the top 25. Uh, coaches have figured out that we're not very good. Uh, it's interesting to see that Central Florida is outside the top 25. If I were going to include a team in the top 25 that's not there, that I think has a chance, there's two teams. I'll hyper-focus for a moment on the ACC. There's two teams in the ACC that I think you could supplant Louisiana Lafayette and Coastal Carolina with these two ACC teams. They are NC State and Boston College. Boston College, unfortunately, is part of the larger, bigger picture for Florida State. Um, BC's pretty good. I, yeah. I And I like that receiving core. They can block it up. They're pretty good. And they took to coaching last year immediately, and they're disciplined. One of the few defenses last year in the COVID season that played good defense right out the gate. And where that game falls in our schedule is the worst. You're going to hear me complain about that if you're new to this program mm -hmm. every, well, I don't know, couple of days. That that game is between Miami and Florida. Like, how in the hell can Boston College on the road between be between Miami and Florida and we have a bye week before UMass. That is my number one gripe that will be said one million times before we get through the schedule. Because the way BC plays, that game is really hard to be prepared for. The way that BC will, considering it is sandwiched between two rivalry games towards the end of the season. That is a toughie. A uh, couple questions here from Warchant TV viewers. Uh, Ann writes, no other team in the country lost their legend, their football father, we will play with the ultimate heart. Look out, Notre Dame. Let's address that for a second. My dad brought it up. Lots of Florida State fans have brought it up to me that, listen, without being crass, uh, you know, do you believe that the death of Bobby Bowden will inject life into this team early on, um, you know, because of the emotions that are in play? The game is emotional. It's physical, but it's also emotional. 
Yeah, I think early on in a game, that is true. I, I can't imagine that the intensity and the emotions are going to be increased much more than they would have been in our first game back after a COVID season that was devastatingly poor and, moreover, was seen by about 10,000 people a game, right? At, at home, at night, uh, Labor Day weekend, uh, this is going to be an unbelievable atmosphere. Now you mix in whatever pregame ceremony is going to be done to honor Coach Bowden, that place will be electric. The problem is that wears off pretty quickly. That, is, at some point, physically bigger, stronger, faster, does begin to take hold. I'll go to what I said to you two months ago, and I'll say it again here. Maybe you got a shot to ride that sucker and turn it into a four-quarter game. If you get off to a good start, you cannot get... Listen, this is a group of guys that have not won anything. It's a group of players that have bought into Coach Norvell. They're working hard. I've been out there at practice. They are working together. They are working as one. They are climbing together, all that stuff. It's... You know, you can roll your eyes, cliche, but it beats the disjointed look that we've seen in years past. And I do think that they're committed. But I also know that deep down, when you haven't won anything and you have not had a lot of things go your way and you haven't won consistently or won big games against teams that you were under, you know, pretty well significant underdogs in, then you, you need some things to go right so that you can begin to believe it. You get in that game and you get down 14 to nothing. I don't think Bobby Bowden's passing is going to lead the charge back, and I don't mean that again. I'm not being cynical. I'm just saying that at some point you gotta you got to build a lead and try to play it from in front like we did against North Carolina, and maybe that energy sticks around a little bit longer. Yeah, you got to play well, but, I mean, that, that atmosphere, I would agree for just the Notre Dame game. That atmosphere oh, yeah, is yeah, going yeah. to be different. It's going to be a completely different atmosphere. I mean, you remember when times were good almost 10 years ago now in the midst of the 29-game winning streak. Not all 8 p.m. kicks were alike. Like some of them, you felt a little bit of extra something, something. I remember Notre Dame mm-hmm. in 2014. Chris Fowler even talked about it—the defiance in the crowd because of the feud that was going on between FSU fans and ESPN, specifically Chris Fowler. There's going to be a unique feeling to that game, like we've never felt before, and maybe that influences things. Like I don't know, a flag where there shouldn't be a flag, an official pulls the trigger on a on a mm. penalty that is a holding call, that is a complete phantom call, and maybe Notre Dame's in third and 17 instead of a big play down the field. I think those types of things could happen and influence the game. I don't know necessarily that it will be from the roster. I think it will be from Doe Campbell Stadium, Bobby Bowden Field, more than anything else. If you're watching us on YouTube, YouTube TV, if I could speak, thank you very much. Please do us a favor. Remember to hit the the uh, thumbs up and subscribe to War Chant TV. Likes on our videos. Spread the word to other Seminole fans looking for quality content. Subscribe to War Chant TV. is completely free. Hit the bell after subscribing to be notified anytime we go live or offer up. More of our great content, all from Warchant.com. More of the Jeff Cameron Show at 93.3 Real Talk Radio in a moment. Probably exists much longer. When you read their investigation into the Baylor football program, you read today, five years after the school fired Art Bryles amid a major sexual assault scandal, when you find out what the NCAA's Committee on Infractions handed down its ruling five years later in the midst of all of that, you, you kind of just, again, are reminded of how impotent the NCAA is really to do much of anything. Uh, they did uncover violations. In fairness, they would uncover, uncover violations if they were to probe, turn on the lights, if you will, investigate almost any major program, Power 5 program, not to the degree with which these charges are levied, but I'm saying 
nobody squeaky clean in their efforts to play big-time college football. The NCAA panel that oversaw the case, quote, could not conclude that Baylor violated NCAA rules when it failed to report allegations of uh, sexual assault and interpersonal violence on campus. Yeah, yeah they, they think they failed to do so, and that's abhorrent. We're not sure it's an NCAA violation, however. We don't feel like that crosses the line of uh, our NCAA rules. That's not what you do. Baylor admitted to moral and ethical failings in its handling of sexual violence on campus. It's a tough one. That's a toughie there. Yeah, we may have dropped the ball on the whole ignoring sexual violence and predators on our football team. That's not what you do. Sorry about that. They did argue those failings, however, egregious. Did not constitute violation of NCAA rules. Ultimately, and with tremendous reluctance, quote from the NCAA, this panel agrees. And get the hell out of here. So, again, this is what happened. Now, you could say this is a legal matter. Got it. Yeah, but I mean, okay, what we knew a month ago was where this was all going with the NCAA. When, yes. Mark, when Mark Emmert says, I don't know, you're going to have to restart. You're going to have to start things over. There's not much more we can do. That basically means that he knows a few things are going down. Number one, NIL is coming. They can't stop it, so what the hell can they do? And conferences anyway? have just decided to do whatever they're going to do. Exactly. For television revenue, he probably knew that this report was coming down and this was going to be the ruling. He's like, I'm going to get out before all of this bleep storm begins and this is just another chapter in the book that is uh towards the end of the novel that is the ncaa yeah it really is it's just one more reminder it's another stamp that the ncaa is going to be uh or if it is in existence i would say it's it's going to be uh saddled uh, with a different league it ain't gonna be the power fives they're not listening to the NCAA. They, the member institutions have decided to ignore them completely. Uh, the irony is maybe they'll be in charge of Olympic sports, and those are the ones, including women's sports, that Mark Emmert besmirched when it was March Madness time. Oh, you Remember mean by that? providing them like a, uh, like a set of dumbbells? And a- That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, rusty old stuff yeah. you'd see at an antique store, right? And then he doubled down and said, well, I mean, come on, you got to handle it. What? Yeah. That's it's your job specifically. Like that's your job. The uh, red tape and the kind of indirect or as I like to say pussyfooting that you hear or read between the lines uh in this response is staggering. Uh, the panel again showing tremendous reluctance agreed, quote, to arrive at a different outcome would require the committee to ignore the rules the association's membership has adopted. Rules under which the committee is required to adjudicate. Such an outcome would be antithetical to the integrity of the infractions process. Uh, the rules, the NCAA rules, do not call the Committee on Infractions to adjudicate how schools respond to issues like sexual assault in athletic programs. So, the, if you remember, you can go back not all that long ago here at Florida State where we did talk about how this got very murky when you have, you know, Title IX, you have accusations and uh, they're criminal accusations. And what does the school 
do in that situation? What are they required to do? What is an athletic department to do? What is a coach to do? What is the NCAA going to do? And we knew we were entering into a new era where this was going to, as I like to say, you're going to have to define your terms here about what schools are responsible for. Yeah, but what they're saying is $100 handshakes or phone calls outgoing from a coach to a recruit instead of incoming from a coach to a recruit. That's our business. Human beings harming other human beings. Right. Can't do much about can't it. Much I don't know what you want us to do. Well, and, and that got really difficult to, to try to, if you remember, we go back and look at this as well, the Penn State situation, right, where you cross a certain threshold where the crime is so abhorrent and it needs further investigation from those that are trained to do so, not the NCAA or an athletic department. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Now, if you can prove that a coach uh, turned a blind eye knowingly, turned a blind eye to violence committed by his players and or coaches and tried to cover it up. To me, that is, without question, it should very well be, within the spirit of the rules, an NCAA violation. I would think so. That in and of itself would have to be, right? Absolutely. I think that would be at the top of the list. Again, what are they going to be adjudicating now? You know, if If these NIL deals, endorsements, paid by boosters in many circumstances to players, are a thing of the future, where an Alabama quarterback who has not taken one snap at the position... Well, yeah. Could be a millionaire. Could be a millionaire by the time they kick off against Miami in just a few short weeks and beat the brakes off of Miami, which they will. Then what? what's left to adjudicate? What's left to penalize institutions for? This is a great thing for them, a great opportunity for them to say, no, zero tolerance. That's why when they, they overstepped a little bit for Penn State, but I was okay with that. This is a zero tolerance deal, man. If you violate human rights... No way. You're not. Get, you're not get to play. You don't get to play for championships. Period. Uh, I would ask you to, only to say because you touched on a very uh, upbeat and wondrous thing that we're going to invite people towards. I, I believe we're heading towards August the twenty eighth. Is that happening? Uh, it's the following Saturday. It's the day before Notre Dame. That's that's so that'd be September the fourth. Boom. And that is a Saturday that includes. Alabama kicking the tar out of Miami. That was the game you were referencing. That's it, well, right. You see how I worked that into a serious topic. That'll be a hate watch you for all of me us. Well. It is weird to try to get behind Alabama and cheer that way. <laughs> uh, but we will because they're playing the Canes. So there you go. Um, and that is official. We are doing this. This is a thing. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to be our Libations Fest. Okay. Y'all remember our Libations Fest if you came over uh, from the old place? Well, it's good to see you there, Hank. You remember our Libations Fest, don't you? Come on in. It used to be Friday <laughs> Fest, but then they moved it to Saturday sometimes, so they called it. Even one time it was a Sunday because Virginia Tech, a Florida Sunday. State was a Monday. So they just called it Fest instead of Friday Fest. I like it, and I'm excited about it. It's a good thing. Uh, and you know what else is a good thing? Our friends T-Spark Enterprises Roofing and Construction have followed us on over, and we love them for it, serving Tallahassee, Thomasville, Georgia as well, and all the surrounding areas for roofing, construction, commercial building. Go check them out right now, tsparkconstruction.com. Go get a quote if you're thinking about uh, embarking on a new roof or building something from scratch, construction, add it onto your house, you name it. We listen. Tom and I use T-Spark Construction. They put on my roof, so... Uh, I can celebrate them uh, with grandeur and tell you about the fine work that they did, and they did. And if you like, give them a call today, 850-766-1340. It's Jeff Cameron Show on 93.3 Real Talk Radio. Older and bolder writes, Knowles don't have to beat Notre Dame, but they must be competitive and make it a great TV game, period. Well, you're hitting on a theme here. You're certainly hitting on a theme here, I think, um, in terms of the Knowles not having to beat Notre Dame but keep it competitive be in the game yeah 
Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true of the schedule in general. I, I think that the realistic fan would end up saying um, that the, the horses aren't quite ready to roll. You know, you can whip up your ponies and be ready to go if we're going to stay with the horse there theme. You like that? But uh, the truth is, you know, you may not have enough guys, and, and that's okay, but you got to play well. you got to look organized. you got to have a plan. you got to play together. you got to play smart. you got to play hard, be physical. All those things have to be true, and uh, you got to compete. They didn't compete in a lot of games last year. Again, last year, chalk it up for a lot of reasons. But uh, this year, having a full off season, a real camp, real spring, all that stuff, should go a long way in helping bridge the gap from the non-competitive to the competitive. And if you if you if you game plan well and you put kids in a position to succeed, which is what we talk about with coaching, right? Putting kids in a position to succeed, then you're in games, even if you get beat. Hey. Lest we forget, and and this is where fan, I get it, because fans will, will fire back at me and say, well, now, wait a minute, Jeff. You sound like you're building in a lot of excuses for Nor- Norvell and his staff before they ever embark on this season. I'm trying to be realistic, but I, I would agree that you could say, hey, look, uh, I know we're cherry-picking here certain games and certain results, but Boston College was in the game to the last second against Clemson last year. Yeah, if they scored one time in the second half, they win that football game. That was utter dominance the first half. You get you're thinking, oh man, it has to go perfect yes. for Clemson in the second half of that game in order for Clemson to escape doing what they do all the damn time, which is lay an egg inexplicably. And Boston College just couldn't put a touchdown on the board in the second half. But there they were. There they were, tooth and nail. Clemson is where we were at as a dominant program in the ACC in the nation for a long stretch. And as such, those teams oftentimes overlook bad teams. We did it all the time, too. You know, I mean, that that's, I don't, I mean, I, I raise an eyebrow, eyebrow when it happens, but, I mean, good Lord, 2014 was an exercise in taking people yeah. lightly and going week oh, to week yeah. trying to find ways to win games that you shouldn't be, uh, you know, wringing your hands over. Great teams, oftentimes, that is the case. When you watch the film, if you're a player, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. You're watching. We're bigger, stronger, faster at every single position. We'll win the game. We'll turn it on when we need to turn it on. Florida State's not that team. We're not there right now. We used to be. I'm saying I can recognize that in that Clemson team. We've seen it. And as such, they have a couple of scrapes every year uh, in which maybe they didn't take somebody seriously. But the, the, the larger point here was that you can, you know, you don't have to get boat raced every time you play somebody who's better than you. You can be in a game. You can vie for an upset. You can potentially put yourself in a position if things bounce right to to get an unexpected win. We haven't really done that in a long time. Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. There's no rule against us being the team that does that. Yeah, it you're happened to, to us do that. Yes. so many times when we were the big bad Florida State. You know, we could put that hat on for a year. I don't want to live there. I don't want to wear that hat every day, but maybe once. Just this season, we could be the team that rises up and surprises a couple of teams on our schedule. I thoroughly enjoyed the turnaround under Jimbo Fisher and the immediate signs that the team was moving in the right direction and that there was reason to hope that you weren't good enough to win a national championship this year, but all the signs pointed to that team becoming really, really good in a hurry. You and I attended together, did the pregame show in Charlotte, live from the stadium, overlooking the 50-yard line. Famously, we talked about Matt Millen's visit to our our booth. But the point of that game was we watched it and thought, man, how about this team making the ACC championship game against Virginia Tech? They can't 
They can't win the trenches. They're on roller skates defensively. They're exhausted. But that's how quickly it turned around. You knew that was the impetus for the next season and the following season. They were about to be good. I think what the person who made this, I've already moved on from the page, sorry. Uh, but but that comment suggests that, that that's the that's really, to me, the bottom line. Can you be competitive? Can you be in games? Can you show real growth? That that gives you the carrot to believe, okay, we're building towards something. Perfect example. Okay, so that season is one that we remember fondly. That's 2010. Yes, it is. Because it finishes in the Peach Bowl. We played uh, South Carolina. We, we win Woo! the 10th game. Woo! Greg Reed lights up Marcus yeah, Lattimore. Yeah, the hit, the hit for the ages. Right. And then Christian Ponder gets concussed, and they run the option offense, and you know, back if you think about it now, Brian Stork was lined up next to Rodney Hudson. That's uh, as good as it gets in Florida State history with nice. two interior guys. Yeah. Next year, we're at halftime of the Notre Dame game in the Champs Bowl, and we're pissed off. Why? Because expectations had changed. They yeah. had changed. They, that team did not live up to what 2010 had pushed it towards. And we end up winning that game with a bunch of young offensive linemen, and EJ Manuel plays with a broken leg, and all that we find out later on, which helps set the tone for 2012. But again, those two seasons, if you look at them, wins and loss wise, are pretty similar. 2010 and 2011. One year we loved, the other year we were like, "Eh, Jimbo, is he going to get it done?" And by 2012, expectations are so high yep. that when you don't play for the national championship, people are angry. That's how quick it can turn around. That's how fast. So this just has to be kind of a, can you give me a 6 and 6 to show signs of real growth? Hour number two, fourth coming right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio. It's Jeff Cameron Show. 